From Kansas City, it's the Rob Rank Training Camp Roundup today, as well as what's going on with Roquan Smith in Chicago, and how do you deal with the loss of an elite tackle that you needed in 2022 today on Locked On NFL Draft. You are Locked On NFL Draft, your daily podcast covering the NFL Draft. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Locked On NFL Draft Show. I'm your host, former NFL and AFL defensive back, Eric Crocker. And of course, as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Ryan Tracy. And y'all know what it is, man. It's Thursday. So we got Rob Rang with us. We want to thank you for making us your first listen of the day. And uh, dive into what Rob Rang is seeing at the Kansas City practice, uh, specifically with some of these young guys. So I'm seeing the clips coming out. You got your guy McDuffie from Washington. He's making plays, picking off passes intended for uh, receiver Miko Hardman. So has he been as good as some of the clips make him look? He certainly was today, guys. I mean, he was absolutely spectacular. Um, and, you know, having watched him at the University of Washington, as you mentioned, Crock, I mean, that's basically in my backyard. And, you know, I've been going to uh, the – the spring games and things like that at Montlake for the last couple of years. And I was just so impressed with Trent McDuffie and just how, what an instinctive football player he is. I mean, not only as a cornerback, but he was a core four special teams guy at Washington going back to his freshman season. And he just saw those instincts uh, and, and certainly the athleticism and ball skills. I mean, you, you referenced the, the interception uh, lined up against Nicole Hardman, which we know is this absolute speedster. Uh, it happened to be Chad Henney who was throwing that particular pass, and it was a good ball by Henney. Uh, but McDuffie was just in phase the entire time. I mean, he looked so nonchalant. He just turns, locates the football, goes up, high points, it makes the pick, uh, and then just you know gets up and tosses the ball to the side like this is just what you're supposed to do. Uh, you know, and it was funny because I kind of was standing next to a couple of Kansas City scouts. And they just kind of like, yeah, this is why we drafted him in the first round. And so it definitely was a, uh, an incredible play by McDuffie. But it looked like it was just kind of same old, same old from his perspective. Mm. I've been from Rob's backyard to my backyard, for instance, made that transition. And it's been fun to watch him because he was really under the radar for the first, I don't know, eight 10 days of camp, and then the last three, four days, it's put it all together. And he really is, I think, a case study in how front offices have to go about evaluating talent because he's doing things like he did today in man coverage that he wasn't asked to do at Washington. It was a complete projection. He played 18% man. This is something that you had to see the traits. You had to trust the player. You had to understand that his intellect would help him take over and get his instincts in play. He's still the same player that you saw in film. He still has a little bit of weakness against longer, taller receivers. He had trouble with MVS with that six foot four and that huge wingspan. But in making the transition, being able to play man as much as Spags does, Trent McDuffie's been all that and more that we could have asked for. And that was one of my tough. Uh, evals with him you just didn't see a whole lot of the man coverage you tried to identify some of the movement skills and see how that would translate to the NFL but sometimes when the guy plays as much zone 
as Washington has, it's a little tough to see that. And it's not just him that's excelling at the next level. At least early on, it looks like he's heading in the right direction. You have Taylor, who was drafted a year ago. His coach is really high on his ability to play the cornerback position over there in Carolina as well. So uh, guys out there making waves, play, going from playing in the scheme where they're not asking you to be these press man physical guys and it's still translating to the NFL uh, a guy who hasn't been talked about a whole lot out of Kansas City so far especially with the clips and everything floating around training camp but George Karloftis rookie out of Purdue so how has George Karloftis looked today well again it was only there for the one day but I thought Karloftis looked just again as advertised uh, you know we know that what a productive player that he was at Purdue but Obviously, most of that time, he had his hand in the dirt as a traditional 4-3 defensive end. He's being asked to kind of be a rush linebacker here in Kansas City. And I thought that he was much better coming off of the, at, at the left outside linebackers going off against the right tackle. His speed, his uh, ability to use his hands and really coordinate his hands and his feet to kind of dip and rip around the edge uh, gave Kansas City some trouble. He got stoned a couple of times coming off that left tackle spot. Uh, Orlando Brown looked very much in shape and, and uh, you know, very much committed to having an incredible season. So um, so that was, was interesting to see. One play I was especially impressed with Karlaftis actually was something that he was not asked to do much, and that was dropping back a little bit. Um, there was a, a reception made. I can't remember if it was a tight end or a running back. Karlaftis was in trail position, but he punched the ball out. I don't know if it would have been considered a pass breakup or a forced fumble. Karlaftis got up and kind of did an emphatic, like, you know, incomplete complete kind of thing and his teammates all rallied around him the coaches and the scouts were really happy and kind of looking at each other again kind of similar as they did with McDuffie like yeah pat ourselves on the back that's exactly why we drafted him that high but it was an impressive play doing something that Karlaftis wasn't asked to do very much so again kind of going back to what we talked about previously with uh you know these players being asked to do something uh you know based on the traits um that Brett Veach and his staff saw on tape rather than something that was just obvious for everybody. And, you know, I would be remiss if I didn't mention Sky Moore. I, I thought of all of the rookies, he was the most dynamic. He made several unbelievable catches today. Um, and I certainly was not necessarily expecting to see that. We, we all know in Andy Reid's offense, the rookie wide receivers traditionally have a hard time kind of making that adjustment. Uh, you know, and it remains to be seen how the Chiefs are going to use Sky Moore. But I really was impressed by all three of Kansas City's top selections this year. That's good to hear, and I'm pretty sure Ryan Tracy is happy to hear that as well as someone who covers the Kansas City Chiefs, and it's got kind of close to that organization. Good stuff from all their rookies there. Uh, when we get back, we're going to talk about another guy who's not a rookie, but he might change the way that we view some of these positions that are being picked. Roquan Smith, he's having contract disputes, can't get something done. He's requesting a trade. Why is he doing that? We're going to dive into that. But first, we want to talk to you about our good friends over at Built Bar. And if you haven't tried a Built Bar Puff yet, you are depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And guess what? There's new flavors all the time. And they have one right now that's very delicious. And it's cookie dough covered in chocolate. That's right. Built has done it again. They don't miss. All right. Let me introduce you to your new favorite. And my favorite so far. It's been these right here. All right. So, you know, I love these uh, birthday cake flavors. I keep a stack of those right here. But, I don't know, I might have to switch over to the cookie dough chunk puff. And they have the same light, chewy texture, real cookie dough chunks in it. And, of course, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. All the joys of eating the cookie dough without the hassle of making it. Plus, 
is healthy for you. Cookie dough chunk puffs are only 160 calories and have a whopping 15 grams of protein in them. Run to built.com right now and snag you a box for you or the family. If you're like me, I hide it in my office because I want them all to myself. All right, so find a good hiding place for them. Like all Built Bars, the new cookie dough chunk puffs, again, are covered in 100% real chocolate, and that means they are healthy and tasty. Chocolate-covered cookie dough with a light, fluffy texture, they are so good. And what's great about Built, they are all made with collagen protein, all right, which your body absorbs more efficiently, and it provides tons of health benefits so that, you know, when you're eating something that tastes as good, it's also good for you. You're going to love the new cookie dough chunk puff. Whether you need a snack for your workout, if you need a late night uh, treat, uh, you want to grab something quick to bite, Built is the perfect protein bar for you. And they taste better than the candy bar. So ditch all the calories, ditch all the fat, ditch all the sugar, grab yourself a Built bar. Go to Built.com right now, use promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off of your order. Again, use promo code LOCK15 at Built.com. All right, y'all, so let's talk about this Roquan Smith situation. If you are living under a rock and you haven't heard the news yet, Roquan Smith, standout linebacker, all-pro linebacker for the Chicago Bears, who they drafted him top 10 to be a terrific linebacker, and he has been that. But they don't want to pay him like he's won. And I think that right there is one of the issues why drafting a player at a quote-unquote non-premium position it can get a little dicey. It can get a little sticky, especially depending on the situation you are in. What What is Chicago trying to do here? Are they trying to build around their young player? Are they trying to break everything up and really start over from the ground up? Rob, what are your thoughts on really just how this situation has played out and how Chicago Bears are handling it? Oh, yeah, that, that's it, Croc. I mean, it, it almost feels like the Chicago Bears are, are trying to kind of wipe the slate clean and, and start all over again because, you know, Roquan Smith, as you said, has basically done everything that the Bears had possibly could have hoped that the Buckus Award winner, number nine overall selection a couple of years ago, would do. I mean, he's been an all-pro linebacker. He is incredibly productive, a you know, very durable player. He's an absolute superstar. But that therein lies the rub. And so for a long time, I've had these conversations with, you know, general managers and scouts and draft analysts like yourself, gentlemen, and just, you know, the, the whole strategy behind premium positions as opposed to those so-called non-premium positions like an inside linebacker, like a running back, like a guard. Yeah, he might wind up becoming a pro bowler. And even if he does so, however, are you going to want to completely change your salary cap structure when he is off of that rookie contract, uh, you know, and, and really build your team around him? It, it could put teams in an awful bind, and especially if you were a team like the Chicago Bears that have had some turnover at the general manager and head coach positions. You are taking somebody else's player that they had a certain salary cap structure in mind, and then they since have been replaced. And so, again, therein lies the conversation. And I, I've talked to a lot of guys over the years that basically said, look, if I'm a general manager, I'm just going to try and drop the best player available. I don't care what position he is. You, you aren't going to get yourself fired if you draft pro bowlers. And for a long time, I subscribed to that theory. But I think that Roquan Smith and, again, guards and running backs as, as well. To me, those are three positions that we see fairly consistently drafted in the top 10 uh, that just don't make a lot of sense financially uh, for you to do so, even if they are good. And, and so that, again, that is the, the, the struggle that Roquan Smith, I think, is going to be facing here in Chicago. 
the turnover at, at the, the front office, I think, is part of this. You, you hit it on the head because Ryan Poles, Trey Cozio, and Ian Cunningham have inherited a team that isn't necessarily built the way that they want to. And especially with a player coming into a con- second contract year, look at what they've done in this first draft that they were in control of. They went and added to their secondary in, in drafting Brisker, drafting Kyler Gordon. Uh, Eddie Jackson's in there now. And they have a guy that I think is criminally underrated at left corner is Jalen Johnson. So they're investing in the secondary. They're investing to try to stop the pass. It's a passing league, and they understand that. Investing that kind of resource in the linebacker level, even though maybe in, in that division of one of the few in the league that you might get away with putting your money at the linebacker spot, is not something that that organization or those people in their experience are going to do. So it's a tough spot for Roquan Smith. He's earned the second contract. I just don't think he can earn it from the Bears. And that's tough. You see teams around the league, paying their linebackers. Yeah, Darius Leonard, he got paid a bunch of money from the Indianapolis Colts. Fred Warner paid a bunch of money from the San Francisco 49ers. And then you go to Rogue Smith, and he's looking like, man, why? I, I wanted to be a Bear. I'm proud to be a part of this organization. I walk these halls, and I just feel like kind of the pressure of the greats. And I'm trending towards that. I have done everything for you, and y'all don't want to pay me? It's kind of like a slap in the face. So moving forward, do you see some teams start to maybe veer away from drafting a position like linebacker very, as high? Because, again, I just mentioned a couple of linebackers, Fred Warner and also Darius Leonard. Well, those guys weren't first-round picks. I believe Leonard was a second-round pick. Fred Warner was a third-round pick. So do teams start to go away from drafting uh, these linebackers in the top 10, which, again, we've kind of – kind of compared that to like the running back position I think the linebacker is kind of the running back position of the uh defense but running backs they kind of lost their value a a little bit you know it's like well I need a running back but how high do I want to draft a running back every once in a while you see one still go really high maybe even in the top 10 but for the most part uh, people have saved that running back pick for either very late in the first round or sometimes second third fourth fifth, you start to see a run on them kind of day, uh, late day two, early day three. So do you see that kind of trend potentially happening with the linebackers, Rob? I, I do think that you're going to see that trend continue. I think we've already seen it a little bit. Um, and when you have guys who have the ability to impact passers, uh, you know, on third down as a rusher, um, I, I think those guys will still have value. And there's always going to be some NFL teams out there that are always going to value those players. And it just breaks my heart. I mean, that to me, middle linebackers, especially in Chicago, I mean, that, that's football. You know, that, that's, what I, that's the reason I love the game is for the physicality, the, instinct, the instincts, the, the clothing speed that Roquan Smith and obviously the, the greats in Chicago, uh, you know, I mean, that just speak for themselves. That, that is football. So, yeah, it, it, it makes me sad to admit that, yes, I, I do think that is going to be a bit of a trend, even more so moving forward. I mean, you're, you're seeing so many of these general managers who are, are not – former NFL players or, you know, growing grew up in that, in that uh, line of thinking. They are very much more that analytical crowd. And as you said, Grok, I mean, uh, you know, Ryan said this about the way that Chicago was building their defense in the secondary, just acknowledging the explosive offenses that you have in that division. Uh, I think that that's wise by Chicago. But at the same time, to when, when Roquan Smith deserves that paycheck, as, uh, as Ryan mentioned before, and to not get it, from the team that you, uh, you know, have, have that loyalty to, you know, you mentioned Croc, just the, how personal that Roquan Smith 
sounds like he is taking this, then you, you can't help but, but feel bad for the athlete. Um, and, and so, again, I, unfortunately, I, I do think that this is a trend that we're going to see continue. And I just go bad that Roquan Smith is basically caught right, right in the middle of it. He may Spot. be the poster child for it because I'll go you a step further. I think not only are, is the linebacker the running back of the defense, but I think those two are, are linked in a significant way. I don't think the linebacker gets back to that first round real value until running games become more prevalent, until you get all these defenses that are built out to play six, eight guys dropping into coverage, and then teams swing the pendulum back to running the ball at them, and then the linebacker will make a resurgence. It might take 10 years. It might never happen. I don't know. Uh, we've been talking about premium positions, and one position that is definitely premium is offensive tackle. And with the 11th overall pick in the 2020 draft, Makai Becton was taken by the New York Jets. Sounds like he might potentially be sidelined for another season. We're going to talk about that and more when we come back. So, Ryan, Rob, Makai Becton, unfortunate news out of New Jersey. And it sounds like a knee avulsion or a kneecap fracture. Makai Becton, a guy who missed most of last season, only played one game, uh, missed a few games as a rookie as well. But having to deal with these injuries and trying to figure these things out and then come back, man, this just has to be a blow to the New York Jets. But how big of an impact will not just this injury happen have on him, his career, maybe the decisions that they make moving forward on their offensive line, but also a young quarterback that's going to need that protection. That was one of the bigger issues that New York had last season. So, Rob, we'll start with you. What are kind of your thoughts on that situation surrounding Makai Becton? Well, we just talked about what a difficult situation for Roquan Smith and the Chicago Bears and what a sad state of affairs that is. Uh, I, I think this is absolutely tragic what's going on here with Makai Becton. I mean, we're talking about an uber-talented player. Um, happens to be one of the biggest men in, in all of the NFL. And if you have bigs that can dominate, then you really have a chance to do something special. We were so excited about what the New York Jets were bringing. Of course, the three first-round picks this past year. Uh, you know, Obviously, the, the huge investment that they made in the quarterback, Zach Wilson, in the second year. Obviously, he was going to be hoping that he would have Big Becton there uh, protecting his blind side, that left tackle position. Um, you know, A first-round pick in the left guard to be right across from him. Um, and Elijah Vera Tucker, a left guard. Maybe he is going to swing outside to play that left tackle spot. You know, maybe it's going to be George Fant going back to that left tackle spot, uh, you know, previously. And good football players, Vera Tucker and, and, and Tucker, but still, uh, or excuse me, Vera Tucker and Fant, but still nothing like Becton. And, and let's be real. I mean, Becton has struggled with injuries his entire NFL career. And as I mentioned before, 367 pounds is what he was listed at during training camp. And this is a, a, a big man who has struggled with weight in the past. So now he's coming off of another injury. It's, it's hard for big guys to stay healthy. So, you know, I, I think it's easy to imagine a horrible scenario, unfortunately, for Becton and the Jets here. So it kind of goes back to that conversation that we had just a couple of moments ago about the premium positions compared to non-premium positions. As we just talked about, the Jets used three first-round selections this year. One of them was Garrett Wilson, number four, or excuse me, Sauce Gardner, number four overall. Um, you know, the, the receiver, Garrett Wilson, number 10 overall. There were three offensive tackles that went in the top 10 this year. How much different would the New York Jets be right now if they had used one of those selections on an offensive tackle, knowing that Becton was a little bit of a durability risk? It's easy to look back at, you know, 2020 vision and all that kind of stuff. But, 
at the same time, it is obviously a little bit of a chick in the armor for the a jet squad that looked like they were very much going to be on the upswing. And, and now, uh, you know, unfortunately this week, it looks like there's uh, a lot more concern in New York. You know, during the draft, I wanted to give the Jets credit because they addressed pillars. The four pillars of quarterback, tackle, edge rusher, and corner that you have to have, the premier positions, they did it. The only problem is you didn't quite, I think, associate the risk with your current roster enough. And this injury is not just the injury to one position, but like you said, now you're talking about shuffling the entire offensive line for the most part. You have Max Mitchell that you brought in late in the draft that maybe you have to use eventually. And now this line that you would finally hope to give Wilson the a group to develop behind is now torn to shambles and you have to patch it all back together and try to make it work. This sets the entire organization back because of, of the lack of development that you can get from the quarterback. And unfortunately, some, some of these things are crazy, but also you have to hedge your bets against some of the things that you know to be true. And an injury prone tackle is one that you have to take care of. Especially a guy who has now had, you know, some injuries that he's dealt with early in his career. You talked about the weight, Rob, and one of my, I don't want to say bigger issues, and I don't know if this has any correlation to the injury that he just suffered, but, you know, not really being there for OTAs and being a part of that and really preparing to get your body in the best shape possible with your organization, with your program, and maybe being lighter than, you know, checking in at 367 pounds or whatever it was, and maybe being, you know, a good 340, right? Just that 30 pounds difference, how much... Uh, better would that be on his knee and maybe prevent him from having an injury like this? So for those of you who aren't quite sure, the way that the uh, process goes with OTAs, there's different phases. And phase one, I mean, a lot of it is just running, lifting, watching film. Even phase two, you're getting into that. Eventually, they start doing some things outdoors, uh, moving some stuff with the ball, but still, they're getting your body prepared the best way possible. And not just that. You know, they can monitor some of the things that you're eating, making sure that your weight is down, just making sure that you're doing everything right to be the best version of yourself. And I, I don't want to misspeak. I, assume, I believe it was Makai Becton who was having a child uh, during this time. So maybe that's why he was away a little bit. But it is unfortunate. Hopefully that's not why he's had this injury, but definitely not good for the New York Jets in the long run. Now it looks like right now looking at their depth chart, Connor McDermott, uh, he's going to have a crack at that right tackle position. Maybe Max Mitchell, as Ryan alluded to. I wasn't as high on Max Mitchell, and that was a guy who slid to, I believe it was, what, fourth round? I don't want to misspeak here. But, yeah, fourth round pick, uh, pick 111 overall. So we'll see. We'll see how it all plays out. But still, again, I feel for these guys, especially young in their career where they can't even really get going because they've had to deal with these injuries. And that's an unfortunate part of the game of football but that's going to do it for this episode of locked on nfl draft one and thank you for making us your first listen of the day for your second listen of the day you got the locked on chiefs with my guy ryan tracy you got locked on seahawks rob rang is a part of that and locked on 49ers with myself and brian peacock but until next time we'll see y'all tomorrow peace